Blog Talk Radio. Good 
evening, everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T-Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am an energy therapist, a certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join in the discussion. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go, you can't continue to listen online, please call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via phone, or if you are driving about, please use your Bluetooth. Before we begin, I need to thank my friends at AdRunner for spreading the word about Energy Awareness Radio. Now, if you're Tuning in from Sussex or Morris counties in New Jersey, you may have seen my digital ad running in various eateries in the area. And the company that runs those screens is called AdRunner, and they have screens all over the place. And I must tell you, everyone at AdRunner has been so very helpful. I make changes, they make the necessary edits, and they get it ready that day or as late as the next day. So it's very quick. People have told me that they found out about the show, Energy Awareness Radio, from the AdRunner screens. So I am very grateful and very pleased with AdRunner. And you can find out more about them on their website, adrunner.co. That's A-D-R-U-N-N-E-R dot C-O. And for those of you who are inquiring about my CD, Imagine, it is available for sale on my website, quantumwellness.org. It consists of four tracks or 70 minutes of quartz, crystal, singing bowl, healing music that was recorded without any digital engineering or remastering whatsoever. It is organic in that what you hear on the CD is exactly what you would hear if you attended one of my live concerts. And this CD has received some very impressive feedback, I must say, everything from relieving stress, inducing uninterrupted sleep, reduction of pain and inflammation, reducing chronic coughing, uh, eliminating even bronchitis, and there's so much more. I'm giving you the feedback I get, and I must tell you I never expected this to be such a huge hit, but apparently that little CD is doing a whole lot of good. So I am constantly walking around in a state of amazement because in its simplicity, I am hearing it is helping so very many people. So if you are interested, go to quantumwellness.org after the show and learn more about sound therapy and how it may be able to benefit you. Okay, have you ever wanted to ask a question or perhaps more than one question directly to the God of your understanding? I know I have. My guest tonight has had that opportunity, and she is going to share information about the messages she's received from the mind of the creator of the universe. So get ready to listen, because Sandra Sneed, a science and technology writer for industry and a former atheist with a secret, has spent years interviewing scientists and engineers, translating their high-minded knowledge for the layperson. However, she has also been interviewing the highest mind, that of the creator of the universe. And she has now gone public with these extraordinary conversations with her first book, What to Do When You're Dead, a former atheist interviews the source of infinite being, which is published by Robert Friedman. He's the same man who discovered Neil Donald Walsh back in 1995. And here we are 18 years later with some information that the creator feels to share with the world through Sandra, and so she is the conduit, and she is here to fill us in. So good evening, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you being this evening? 
<laughs> well, thank you. That's a lovely question. Uh, how are you being? Boy, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I am being awesome tonight, and I hope I uh, continue to be awesome throughout your show. <laughs> T, it's awfully nice to meet you, and awfully nice to be on your show. Thank you. Oh well, you are quite welcome. And you know, it's funny because uh, I, I learned that "How are you being?" a few years ago when someone said it, and I thought it sounds odd, but it's so true because when we say "How are you doing?" doing what? What am I doing? Right. But "How are you being?" is really really the question you're asking, how are you being? How do you be? And it may not sound grammatically correct, but it's more correct than how do you do or how are you doing? So I've incorporated in my life. I get looked at. I get laughed at. I don't care. (laughs) Well, it's a very spiritual question because God is always talking about the state of your state of being and your state of being can change throughout the day. It can change in the course of a movie you know, because you're reflecting the characters' states of being, and these are only relatively symbolic because they're acting these states of being, and then you can mimic them, and so you can laugh and cry, and 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 uh, our state of being is constantly in flux, and awareness, self-awareness, is being able to take some control over our being, and uh, so that we can become and become into new states of being that are more fruitful and and satisfying to our souls. So it's it's a very profound question, how are you being? Yes, it's a great question, and and it makes people think, and then they want to be able to respond in a positive way, so automatically it kind of switches them up a little bit, so they might lose some of that negativity that perhaps they were feeling. So I think it's great, but that's You know, that's just one little question. Now, your book, What to Do When You're Dead. When I first received your book, I truly thought it was going to be all about the afterlife. But it really is not, at least not in the way that I imagined it would be. So the interviewee is the creator of the universe, and you had the privilege of receiving information about, well, basically just about everything. (laughs) There's really, I thought about this, and I thought there is really nothing, and I do mean absolutely nothing I can say to start this conversation that will present you as best as I feel you need to be presented. So I ask you, if you would, to please describe to our listeners your journey in writing this book. Well, it would have to begin in 2004, because the subtitle is A Former Atheist Interviews the Source of Infinite Being. And in 2004, what happened is that I had lost a job I loved and a man I loved, and I found myself going down into the basement to write and write and write and write, trying to quell this unbearable panic and loneliness that was coming over me. And I filled up an entire notebook of just my lament of my unfortunate circumstances, and then I went to... I opened up a brand new notebook and I had my pencil on the top line of it on this blank page. And before I knew my pencil was moving, it stopped and I looked down and I read, unemployed, question mark, it is my assertion you are employed by me. And so it was at that moment I realized my notebook was talking to me. Something was trying to make contact with me. And so I spent a year in solitude taking dictation from the creator of the universe, the the being we call God, and filled up ten spiral notebooks taking dictation. 
And then it took me seven years with a lot of changes in my life, a lot of reward for that time I spent alone with God, um, a lot of changes. And then I had the courage finally uh, seven years later to sit down and write a book for publication for the rest of the world to come out of the closet and live the life I was born to live as a messenger. And um, so that's where this book came from, uh, What to Do When You're Dead. And I started writing that in 2011, and that was published uh, this year on Rainbow Ridge Books. Um, It it was out in April. Now, when you first started, so you're sitting there and you get this message from the notebook, did it dawn on you that perhaps this was like automatic handwriting? Well, I don't I didn't know anything about automatic writing at the time. Mhm. So, I you know, and and since then I've done some research and about automatic writing and spirit writing and that sort of thing and the reason that I think this is different is because it takes a, a true interaction within my own mind voice being to to submerge into the dialogue it's automatic writing can be and I did experience automatic writing when when I was uh, much younger once and it was a definitely a spirit and it scared the hell out of me. Um, uh, and so I threw the pen down and never did it again. But this mm-hmm. is just something very different. You know, it may be classified as automatic writing, but I like to call it taking dictation. But even mm-hmm. dictation is, isn't the perfect way of saying it because it's as if I am, okay, this is something you'll understand. Uh, it is recording in resonance. Every cell of my body is resonating in the vibrational signature of the being we call God, and my body is recording that resonance on the paper. Yes, that makes perfect sense to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know, I have to say, and this is why I'm not the one who was chosen to channel through, I'm quite sure, because I would have thought I was either writing fiction or whoever I was channeling was thinking pretty darn highly of themselves to be referring to themselves as the creator of the universe. So honestly, I do believe that I would have started laughing, or I might have even asked them to prove it, which probably would have been insulting. Did you even, you know, really, you know, did you even think to say, okay, seriously, you're the mind of the creator of the universe? Really? Go ahead, prove it. Did that ever cross your mind at all? Um, or was it just a knowing that this was what it was? Yeah, it, it was a knowing. Do you have you ever experienced God? I believe I have. Yes, not the way you have. Right, but but you've had experience that you knew was God. You knew it wasn't some spirit or some past loved one or mm-hmm. uh, an archangel or something. There there was something about this this particular presence that mm-hmm. was greater than anything imaginable. It was mm-hmm. beyond imagination. In fact, it was in that year that God taught me to subdue my imagination when, when trying to, you know, no, do not try to imagine God because every, every time you try to imagine God, you are reducing what God is. Yes, you know? that makes sense it, too, yes. Yeah. 
Because we so, can't possibly imagine. We don't have, yeah. we're limitless in our abilities, but to imagine that, we wouldn't get there. Right. You would blow up because your imagination is really a very powerful thing. I mean, we we are we are created in God's imagination. So if we have even the glimpse at what God is, we would our bodies couldn't handle it and we'd blow up. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting because here you are, you write for science and engineering industry, and given that background, seemingly it, it would be she's going to need proof. So here we have the creator coming through to you saying, well, you know what? Uh, you know, she's not going to ask for proof. And coming to someone like you instead of someone who's already, let's say, a psychic who who can, I don't want to, uh, how do I want to word this? I don't want to say who buys into it because that's not what it is. Right. But somebody who's more readily acceptable. And so, right. you know, why why not go to somebody who's more easily acceptable accessible and we'll get this faster but no it makes more sense to go to someone like you because you were an atheist you were going through a difficult time and you felt this presence which is probably why it turned everything around for you well as god explains it in my book uh in the first chapter it's not like god chose me in this lifetime i chose this job before i was born and I just woke up to it at the age of 39. It was an opportunity. And, and God even says that, you know, it was actually a long time coming. And and God says, we were running out of things to throw at you to wake you up. Yeah, I thought so, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, wake up, wake up. Uh, we've been yelling at you for years. So, um, uh, but... But that's that's really a different orientation. If I could get people to really understand that idea, then a lot of the concepts in the book will be would be easier for people to understand because it's just a different orientation. We are we are not our bodies. These bodies are the vessels within which we we are able to animate in this three dimensional realm. But we are truly spirit and um, we we are spirit and we have eternal lives and this is just an an incarnation uh, for a particular reason some purpose we have incarnated it in this life and you know it's up to each one of us to discover what our purpose is and and to live with purpose and that's very true and it's funny because so many times people will, it's, it's a hard message to get across. I see it in my work. So many times people will come in and they'll say, here's an issue and this is what's going on and I didn't create this. Well, yes, you did. Not only did you create it, you chose it. And that's the first yeah. thing. They don't yeah. get that part. You know, so it's, I think it's difficult for people to, to get that whole thing where you chose this. And I often will say to people, look, this is just my mobile home. Okay, this is not me. I'm inside. I'm driving it. I'm like behind my eyes driving the mobile home. That's, but this is just the mobile home. You can cut it. You can bludgeon it. You can shoot it. You can beat it. But you're not taking me down because that's not who I am. It's just my mobile home. And what I came in to do is whatever, whatever it is I chose, some of which I don't know yet, you know, and we do tend to learn sometimes 
further down the road than probably is intended, but at least we do get it. But we did choose everything, and people don't want to buy that because that means they're responsible for their actions and nobody wants to be wrong. And instead of realizing you're not wrong, it's not being wrong to not to be where you are. You've just discovered things that don't work for you. Now let's discover something that will work right for you. And that's all your job is, to figure out your purpose and then do it. Bring joy to yourself, bring joy to others, and be kind. It's really kind of simple. And I think that's pretty much right. what you say in your book. Yes. Yes. God says it. And God yes, says a I'm lot sorry. about uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, God talks a lot about uh, expectation you know, in this mm-hmm. book that I think is fascinating uh, as well, that, you know, we we look at fellow human beings as being, quote-unquote, imperfect. But if we saw each other the way God sees us, we would see ourselves and each other as perfect and that mm-hmm. there are no mistakes. There's only cause and effect. And if you don't want something to happen, you don't go down the road that, that would end up with that thing happening. And it's it's pretty easy to do when you're conscious of what your your daily life. It's like you said, a really pretty simple once you do take a hold of that wheel and take responsibility for everything that is in your life and be grateful for for what you have and if you have nothing, be grateful for what little you have. I mean, even if, okay, you have no shoes on your feet, then surely you can be grateful for the your feet. Uh, roof over your head or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people that have come in your life to help you today. And the more gratitude you have, the more that that builds, the more abundance that builds. And it's not abundance based on, on uh, material things, but abundance based on where your state of being is and when your state of being is in a state of gratitude then you're always um full of abundance yes yes and when you can see and when you can feel compassion for another human being and realize that you know what okay we are all perfect in our imperfections even looking at it as human to human, you know, we look and we say, okay, well, I'm not perfect. I didn't do that. You know what? We're all perfect in our imperfections. So can't we just allow that and not judge? Because given the state that people are in, if I were in their shoes and lived their life from day one the way that they did, I would do exactly the same thing because you have to. It's a great big puzzle and you have your piece. All the pieces need to fit together. If you trade pieces with somebody else, you've got to do what they were going to do and they have to do what you were going to do. Otherwise, the puzzle won't get complete. I kind of look at it that way, and I think, you know what, I can't judge anybody because I would have to do the same thing in their shoes because that's how it would have meant to have gone down. Yeah. The the only reason we consider ourselves and others as imperfect is because we have expectations on what mm-hmm. they should do, and they aren't living up to those expectations. So when you eliminate your own expectations and you see someone that you are feeling a judgment about, if you simply look at your own life and see how grateful you are for not living in the condition that this other person is living in, and you see yourself as fortunate, when you see yourself as fortunate, you automatically look at the other in compassion. Because it's only when we see ourselves as 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 not having enough 
that we compare ourselves to others who have less. Right. When we when we see ourselves as fortunate and we see those who have less than we do, then we see automatically compassion and want to say, God, please help them today. Help them get food today. Yes, absolutely. I mean, compassion is what connects us as human beings. You know, a lot of people say, well, no, love is what connects us. No, love is really personal. Compassion is not. This is why when there's a tsunami in another part of the world, you feel for those people. It's compassion. It's that you don't know those people. You can't love them because you don't know them. Universal love, yes, but you can't love them the way you love a family member or, you know, your child or something like that. You, you just don't. You don't even know them. But the compassion comes through and you want to help because that's, who we are we're compassionate beings and we're connected through that that's the link for everyone well you could easily say that compassion is love that Mm -hmm. the the love that we have for ourselves as beings is shared in the act of compassion so it's loving the self that allows us compassion for another so it's not that you are loving someone else who is a stranger, you are loving the self, and in that act of loving, you naturally gravitate to being compassionate to others. Sure, it's like a mirror reflection, because you see in yourself something, and then you can pass it forward, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of content in your book that may confuse or scare some people, though I really didn't feel anything that was either scary or or confusing to me. But when you were receiving the information, you just seemed to be taking it in stride. Okay, okay, having a conversation. It was like this was your best buddy. (laughs) Did you you find anything that, that was said to you either implausible or impossible? Yeah. Wow, that's a good question. And you're not the only one that's uh, said that. I'm kind of, I kind of chuckle at this that people have said I, I sounds like God's my best friend or something. And and mm-hmm. actually, God is very is right. definitely my my best friend. I go to God with everything. Um. So the thing that in the book that I was very f- afraid of bringing into the world was in chapter four this whole idea that there are beings that live in the center of the earth. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were. I knew it. (laughs) Um, You know, the, the idea that the earth is hollow and it's not hollow in the way we think of hollow, but it, but it's how God explains it is that in the center of a sphere that is in orbit uh, in space, the gravitational Pull is very minimal compared to the surface of the sphere, and since that gravitational pull is is very minimal, that means that the spaces between molecules is much bigger, and so these beings that dwell in the center of the Earth are passing through matter, so they're on another dimension entirely. So it's it's not like there's a there's a hole in the center of the earth. It's that um, there's some dimensionality that's that's possible in the core of the earth. And it is also God says that is where the core of creation is with 
the surface of the earth. It begins in the core, and as it um, as it calls forth from the atmosphere, the molecular structure that's necessary for evolving these uh, plants, animals, creatures, environment, um, uh, everything that occurs on the surface of the earth is all called forth from the core of creation, which is in the center of the earth. So uh, that, that that was a whole new way of not only thinking, but the idea that I have to bring this into the world is just, you know, I, I just would rather not be the one <laughs> giving that information. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you know it's funny cause... people are going to think I'm a kook enough, you know, that I talk to God. And now, there's, you but know. you know what? It's funny because I read that and I thought, okay, well, this makes sense. It, it, it seems somewhat plausible because when you think about it, okay, and I thought, well, okay, from this, the viewpoint of quantum physics, it makes a lot of sense. And I thought, all right. I'm looking at it that way, but I'm also looking at it a different way. Look at all the stuff that we're doing to the planet. And then if this is what's happening inside, it's kind of like, look, I'm really ticked. I'm going to start shaking you off like fleas, okay? (laughs) And I'm thinking this is what Mother Earth is doing, number one. Number two, how many times have people said, you know, planes went down in the Bermuda Triangle. There's a thing going on up by the Aleutian Islands. How do we know? How do we know that this isn't part of... Of, of that process, that going deep. We have not explored the depths of the ocean as much as we possibly can. We don't know really what's in the center of the earth because we don't have the equipment to tell us what's in the center of the earth. So I thought, you know what? This actually is plausible. Is it possible? I don't know. I'm not that arrogant to say that, oh, it's absolutely not possible. I firmly believe there are other beings on other planets. And quite frankly, I think they come here on a Friday night like it's a drive-in movie. Let's go see what those earthlings are doing because they're really screwing up. You know, if they can get here, they're more intelligent than we are. So it didn't scare me. It didn't bother me. And I have to think maybe other people think that way too. And I'm going to go back to comic books. Not to make light of this, but mm-hmm. how many times in comic books have things been shown and done and now we're doing it? Even the Jetsons, they would put food in a magic box and it came out two seconds later cooked. Well, there's your microwave. Right. So how do we know yeah. that comic books that talk about, you know, beings and we don't know. I'm open to anything. I'm thinking, I don't know. It's plausible to me. So I don't think you're going to scare as many people as maybe you thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> or right. people listening yeah, out saying, okay, you're both crazy. I mean, I don't know, you know. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. And and God does talk a lot about um, intraterrestrials and extraterrestrials, uh, not in this particular book, but in conversations that I have with God, I ask uh, questions. And every time there's there's a, a brilliant answer about it. So even though I've personally never had any experiences with, with ETs, um, I've seen a few very uh, fascinating images and videos, uh, thanks to modern technology, um, mm-hmm. that it, that are available that uh, that definitely give me pause to to accept it as as very possible. Yeah, I think it absolutely is because, you know, just because we don't know something technologically doesn't mean someone else doesn't. I mean, 10 years from now, somebody's going to invent something that we have never heard of right now. 
never mind 10 years from now, a year from now, somebody will come up, it could be tomorrow. You know, technology is changing so fast. And I'm thinking, you know, we, what, what did they do before electricity? Nobody thought about electricity and that was like magic. Okay, now there's electricity. So if we can't think of things, we're just not there yet. doesn't mean some other, you know, beings didn't think of it and, and are using it. So it's, it's, to me, it's quite plausible. We are speaking with Sandra Sneed, author of What to Do When You're Dead. You can learn more about Sandra by going to her website, www.sandrasneed.com. That's S-O-N-D-R-A-S-N-E-E-D. So go ahead and write that down now so you can check it out after the show. Now, I had a couple of questions. There were some things in there that I found interesting. And probably the biggest one, there were two actually. One of them, which I, I was, I, I kind of took issue with was when he was talking about animals and how animals that Adam, when he made Adam, wasn't allowed to see that animals have a soul. I've always believed animals have soul. I think every, you know, living creature has a soul. Otherwise, they wouldn't sure. be here. So that kind of made me feel like, well, okay, I understood the whole conversation with if Adam could see their soul, he'd be wondering. But I'm thinking. I don't do that. I just know they have a soul. So how, why would Adam wonder? Maybe Adam would just be like, yeah, okay, they have a soul too. They just look different than me. I can get that whole part. <laughs> well, what, what God was saying was that um, the mechanisms in the brain, when, when, uh, when Adam's physiology was being designed, they, the mind of God decided not to give him the ability to see souls because of the the difficulty in being able to know the difference between myself and another you know i this is me that's not me and when you have the ability to see soul in all its glory you see the oneness of it all and in the oneness of of it all the the inability to separate oneself from that oneness is is the consequence of being able to see it. You know it based on your some some element of your experience, but it's a knowing. It's you're not visibly seeing everybody's soul Correct. And, and the animal soul. And that's that's all God was saying is that it's it's the mechanisms of the eyes that were uh. critically aligned to seeing three dimensionality only. Mm. And that had to be a learning curve for you, too, because you even said, seriously, animals have souls. And I thought, wait, why doesn't she know this? And I thought, oh, okay, she's an atheist, but she's turning. Yeah, so right. that's okay. <laughs> right. So I'm then a I got atheist. So. Yeah, that hit yeah. me at that moment. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's when she was an atheist. Okay. She, all right. Yeah, I get that. Now, there's one section in Chapter 11, The Time Before Immortal Man. And this is a little bit of a dissertation here. The creator of the universe stated that there are destructive measures that will end the course of life as you know it. These measures will only serve to slow man down and give nature a chance to catch up. And you asked if the writing of this book is to provide a warning. And the creator said no. And you asked if the destruction is going to occur. And you got a yes. And you followed up by asking, there is no way out? And you were told, yes, there is with an explanation. Okay, good. I'm with you to this point. Then you asked if there has been a time in human history where this has occurred before, and you were told many times. And I'm still with you, and I'm happy. I'm moving through the book. Then you asked the key question, 
so humanity survives. And the response you received is what puzzles me. The response was, yes, there is a balancing that happens, but this is not one of those times. And your next question was not what I expected at all, because your next question was, is it because we poison our food supply? And I have to say, <laughs> that struck me as a little strange, because my next question would have been, what the hell? You just said, yes, there's a balancing that happens, but this is not one of those times. So, again, God, humanity does not survive, correct? And I believed that is what was being told to you, but you were there, not me. So what's the correct answer? Will or will not humanity survive? Humanity will not survive if it continues to poison its food supply. We are damaging not only the food itself by genetically modifying it, but we are genetically modifying the soil we are making synthetic soil. So there's not enough nutrients in the soil in order for the crops to grow with enough nutrients to maintain the physical body because the body requires a balance of nutrients in order for the cells to work. You know, the cells need certain nutrients in order to perform and function. And what's happening is that we are creating incomplete cells. And if you remember this from your health class, an incomplete cell is a cancer cell. Mm-hmm. And, and what, um, how God explains it is that cells work, and, and all of creation works this way, in a call-recall response. So there are calling cells that, that call for what they need, and then the recall cells supply what is needed. What happens is if there is no way to supply what is needed, the calling cells just keep calling and calling and calling and calling, and they keep creating these incomplete cells, which are the tumors. And that's the cancer that that occurs. And when our our food supply does not supply us and our bodies with the proper nutrients, evolution doesn't work fast enough to to alter the body to handle the synthetic uh, food. So we're going to wipe ourselves out if we keep doing it. I mean, we, nope. we will wipe ourselves out entirely if we do it, keep doing it. Okay. Because when he said, yes, there is a balancing that happens, but this is not one of those times, to me it seems like if this is not one of those times, it means no matter what we do, it just isn't one of those times where the balancing will come back. And I kept thinking to myself, well, if it's too late, why am I doing all that I do, working so hard to do my part to raise consciousness, to make this world better for the next person, if in fact humanity will not survive? I might as well give up because there's no purpose in that. And if there... If there is no purpose, then there is no future for mankind. So I was thinking, why should we bother? It seemed like he was saying, doesn't matter what you do, this is not one of those times. But in fact, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, you're poisoning your food supply, and if you continue down that road, that will be the demise of the human race, correct? Right, right. Okay. And don't ever think that what you're doing is exclusively for human bodies. The spirit of being needs everything that you're teaching. In fact, it's the spirit of the being that is being educated in order to expand 
in consciousness, which is taking us into higher levels of being within spirit. So, you know, how you're communicating it is you're communicating it human to human, but it is soul to soul that is experiencing the communication and the expansion from that. So the work that you're doing on Earth is equally synonymous with the work that you'll be doing in spirit. You know, it just keeps going uh, in higher and higher levels of teaching and learning. You know, you're you're even if human beings wipe themselves out, you're still going to be teaching. Right, because we are souls first. Right. Yes. Right. That I got, but the part that was coming through for me was like the human part. I thought, you know, if there are other planets that we can go to and do other lives, why don't we just use Earth as a dumping ground and move on if we, if, you know, get, get out of here? Because if, if he's saying it's not going to happen, what's the point, you know? Because we can. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, that is kind of the bummer about this book is there is a sense of, uh, uselessness that you feel <laughs> but but ultimately understanding that it's not the way it has to be and if everyone gets on their path then that's not the way it's going to be but the yeah. but the truth is we have to help people get on their personal path because there are people who have incarnated specifically to work on food. There are people who have incarnated specifically to work in agriculture, people that have worked that are incarnating specifically to work with animals. You know, everybody has a, a, a significant purpose on this earth to change the, the future. And God does talk about um, past, present, and future, and how they're all related, and how you can change the future and the past simply I believe by that completely. adjusting the present. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we're all energy, and it's a vibration. So every life that you have, if, if, if you believe in, uh, you know, people do past life regressions, and I believe in past lives, if you believe that there's a past life and a future life, they're all happening right now. Uh, string theory right. is proving this at this point. Quantum mechanics has shown us that. So every life that you have is not a past life. It's not a future life. They're all happening right now. And what happens is whatever you're doing in this life is affecting the past life, quote, unquote, or the future life, yep. quote, unquote. So it's affecting all of the lives that you have. You may as well bring your vibration up really high so that all the other ones go up too, and it makes it better for everybody everywhere in every life that your or every incarnation of your soul's entity at this point in time so that's kind of how i look at it but it was interesting well you get it you definitely get it you get it better than i get it you know god is always telling me that to reassure me that i will fulfill my mission because a lot of times just like everyone else i i have these down days where i feel like i'm not accomplishing anything and you know, I feel like I'm uh, I'm not doing as much as I'm supposed to be doing, and God will keep reassuring me, Sandra, you will fulfill this. Well, how do you know? Because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's already happened. So I, I just have to take that on faith because that's what God tells me. But you get it based on um, principles, scientific principles, yes. that can give that a lot of foundation. 
I still have my down days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I still yell at God sometimes and say, what are you doing? When, in fact, I know he's not doing it. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> me. <laughs> but right. it lets me vent, and I get rid of it. There's an interesting part. I think it was Chapter 5 where we talk about, where you talk about will. And mm-hmm. will is the belief that what is desired is obtainable. And when you talked about it, you stated that if you put your will into the power of God, like let go, let God, give it, put it into his hands, it will manifest. And this to me, when we got to the part about food and GMOs and everything, I thought, okay, it's interesting because people will, I don't know, I thought I had a cast iron stomach and now I think that's not it at all. Now I think that when I look at food and it's on the, ver- like mushrooms, okay, and they're not looking too good, but if I fry them, they'll be fine. So I'll fry them up and I'll eat them and I, nothing happens to me. And I'm like, well, because I know when I'm eating it, I say, well, this is very nutritious for my body. I don't care what it is. <laughs> That's what I say. Right. And if you have that core belief and you put that will behind it, you know, I, I mean, before I work on a client, I, I will that my ego is in service to the limitless expansion of my soul's growth. That's the uh-huh. first thing I say. Then I say thank you. And it's so that, you know, you're willing it to God. You're giving it to the higher power. And when we say God, we're talking about the God of your understanding, listeners. It's not, you know, we're not trying to offend anybody by not mentioning an appropriate name. It is the God of your understanding, whether it's source, spirit, God, Muhammad, Abraham, Jesus, it doesn't matter. Um, And I just look at it that way, and I think, you know, if we can take that will, if everybody used that force of will and put it over and knew it, we would we would start to become more creative in the ability to raise foods more properly and not use what we use because it seems to me that the creator created this perfect balance that we're abusing. I mean, it isn't any coincidence that you breathe in and breathe out and the trees provide the oxygen and there's a perfect balance for us to live. That's no coincidence at all. That happened for a reason. And when you look at drugs, you know, all the medicines and the rainforests, and how much they have taken from the rainforest, and we get like 1% of our drugs from only 10% of the rainforest. Or No, it's 10% of our drugs from 1% of the, the rainforest. Everything here to make us healthy is here. It's here. We don't need synthetic stuff. And I think if more people learned that and understood that well, so I was very grateful for that chapter because I think that spoke very loudly, maybe only to me. It spoke volumes to me. I don't know. I have, has anyone else said anything about the power of the will? You know, it's interesting you, that you, someone who obviously has um, some deep roots in, in scientific principles, um, find will and the nature of will to be such um, such a powerful um, concept uh, because it seems like the people that are <clears throat> rooted in science uh, find that ultimately fascinating because when you accept evolution as the natural state of of the way that that creation happens in our experience of creation when we watch watch it through our ob- observable means um, evolution is is obviously the way that it happens. Well, what makes evolution occur? And the idea that will, the will of being, is the force behind evolution, that is a hugely profound 
concept, when you really get it, really get it, the will of being is in every cell of the universe. And it's engaging the will of being that gives us the power of the universe and the power of God. Because God said in there, when you engage the will and you then release it to God, your wish is God's command. Right. But it makes sense to me because everything's energy. And when you put a force behind it, such as will, it's going to happen. So knowing that everything is made of energy, energy is malleable, it's pliable, and we can manipulate it. How do we manipulate it? With will, with positive thinking and putting that will behind it, and with gratitude, being thankful for the fact that that can. These are very powerful, positive elements in our lives that we don't use enough. We don't use them to their fullest extent. And if we did we could make huge, huge changes. We're getting close to the top of the hour. And before we go, I noticed you have two unpublished books, at least I think they're still unpublished, The Real Story mm-hmm. of the Garden of Eden and The Meaning of Life's Design. Are those also interviews with the creator of the universe? Absolutely. Okay, yep. I thought so. Um, yep. The next book, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of traction on this book before I put anything else out there. But the next mm-hmm. book is The Meaning of Life's Design, and I love this book. It is so cool. God talks about why the porcupine was made, why the peacock was made, the the real symbol of the black widow. I mean, just really cool stuff. Can you ask him a question? This is my question when I meet my maker. <laughs> yeah. What is the purpose of a tick? They're really not any need in the food chain. They cause diseases. A tick, just, bats eat them, but they can eat plenty of other stuff. I just don't see the purpose of a tick. That's my question. <laughs> can, I answer, can I ask God to answer it right now? Sure, if you want. Yeah. Okay, so God says okay. the tick has a purpose, but it is only for the matter of the skin that it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose to encase the skin within the being of the tick. And when the tick then expresses itself, then it shares the skin with the ground. And the ground immensely facilitates the nature of skin in the orientation of how everything is made in the purpose of its making. What this means is that Skin is the boundary between that which is internal to the body and that which is external to the body. So in order for that to occur in nature, there has to be mechanisms that continually remind the surface of the earth to call forth these conditions in the evolution of the nature of God. This is a very complex idea, and you must understand the nature of cells in order to see how this works. But just understand that the tick is a reminding mind. It reminds the surface of the earth to recreate this particular cellular function. Okay, I get it. But I would have thought, you know, the shedding of skin from a sunburn or dandruff would have done the same thing. But I'm not the creator, so I'm not going to question that. That would take that would take more more um, answers more than I don't know how much time we, don't we have. We don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, so we can't do that. So you don't you aren't going to be launching the other books until after this one actually gets underway, which is fine. And it just recently came out too, didn't it? Just come out last month, August uh, September, uh, mid April. But I've only oh, just now okay. had time to start 
you know, really pushing it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that t- that takes time because I'm a complete unknown. I'm coming out of obscurity to bring this out. So I highly depend on people like you. You're bringing out something that's really great, and I hope when you finish your next book you'll be able to send that to me as well because I would love to have you back. You're a great conversationalist. We've learned an awful lot. And now I have one last question to ask my maker when I meet him. (laughs) But we're almost out of time, Sandra. And before we go, would you please tell everyone how they may learn more about you and your work and how they may purchase your book, What to Do When You're Dead? Sure. So um, my website is sandrasneed.com, S-O-N-D-R-A-S-N, ed.com and if you go to my website and um you on one of the internal pages is uh the five principles for quieting your mind and listening to your higher self if um you can sign up you won't be signing up for anything really but um uh, if i want to make an announcement that's the only reason i'm capturing emails uh, for the next book and um but that's a free download, the Five Principles for Quieting Your Mind and Listening to Your Higher Self. You can also uh, find links to get my book, or you can just search on Amazon for Sandra Sneed uh, or Barnes & Noble. And if it's not in your local Barnes & Noble, please ask them to order it. I really appreciate it. Okay, that. great. That's good. Yes, absolutely. You know, or use your local bookstore if that's easier for you. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I have to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to the show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you have had this evening to learn and grow and make the world a better place for everyone. Sandra, thank you again for joining me tonight. It has been great having you on the show. I really appreciate your time. If you wouldn't mind just hanging on until I finish the outro and I'll talk to you for just a couple of minutes if that's okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You are quite welcome. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 o'clock for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. Mark your calendar. Make a note of it now so you remember to tune in. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. And if you're not in the area or you can't make a concert, you can order my CD, Imagine, from the site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. And remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. <laughs>